Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Got a busy Friday show for you. Cross-country, road racing, indoor track, high school, pro, college, a little bit of it all today. Gordon, how are you? Doing good. Happy Friday to you, and I'm excited for a jam-packed weekend, especially live on Flow Track. The BU season opener with great 5Ks and 3Ks, the running lane championship, which is the, the de facto high school cross-country team championship, and then also Valencia Marathon with some top marathoners all live on flow, starting with BU season opener this Saturday, tomorrow. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll get to BU next, and then we'll sprinkle in the other previews as we go. But I wanted to start first with some news in the NCAA world. Cooper Tier, the 5,000-meter champion last year for Oregon, has announced he is going pro, foregoing his final two seasons of eligibility. He had indoor, he had outdoor left, but Tier will go pro. Now, what changes will this bring about, Gordon, for Tier? Not many when you actually look at the announcement. He's going to stay in Eugene. He's still going to be coached by Ben Thomas presumably training with recently turned pro Cole Hawker, perhaps some other Oregon runners as well. What did you think of his decision? Um, Not surprising, right? We kind of thought Cooper was ready to go pro before cross country. Um, It makes you think, you know, why didn't him and Coop, why didn't him and uh, Cole both go pro or both not go pro for the cross country season? You kind of think of what if, you know, if if Cole Hawker would have been the cross country, I don't think it would have changed Oregon's chances. Obviously, Cooper had a bad race, but they would have had a big three instead of just a big two. Uh, but I think in, in, at the end of the day, late in the summer, Cooper and Cole were both ready to move on from collegiate running. They kind of had done enough. They've proven themselves where from their indoor campaign last year to what they did mm-hmm. in the outdoor season. Cross country was more just like a filler season um and in the end they're kind of getting to where they knew they would be i think uh this is the right move they have nothing else to prove they're they need to start their peak should not be ncaa outdoor championships it should be the u.s Mm -hmm. uh the u.s championships and with this they're able to not have to do you know the west prelim 5k round or you know an ncaa a hard ncaa final a few weeks out before USA's. So it gets them on the right track. And Cooper is someone who can make the team this year, first year as a pro. I wouldn't be surprised. He was fourth at the Olympic trials. You know, something's always going to happen. It's, it's not guaranteed that Shalimo, Fisher, and Kincaid are guaranteed the 5K spot next year. One of them could get injured. Mm-hmm. One of them could do a different event. You never know. So... um I wouldn't be surprised if he's 
making a world team in year one as a pro. Mm-hmm. He finished up classes as well this quarter at Oregon. So extending on would have meant more academic responsibilities. And you're right. He's ready to compete now. That was very clear in the indoor season. It was confirmed in the outdoor season. Everybody around this age, you want the good parts of college without the tough parts of college. So in that sense, Cooper Cheers live in the dream. He gets to stay there, same coach, same training partners, a lot of the same races. But you're right, cuts out the West prelims, cuts out having to go to more classes after he's already finished his his degree. I think he I think he is doing what everybody would have done in this in this scenario. The one part of it that's interesting to me is this decision is being made under the evolving process that is NIL. And when NIL, name, image, and likeness rules came out last year, you and I talked a lot and we talked to some people who basically were saying, hey, kind of makes sense. Some of these college athletes might stay in college actually longer because now brands will see value in them um, as collegiate athletes, maybe more so than other companies would see them as professional athletes. He, Hawker went pro regardless of that. Tier stayed one season and then went pro. But I wouldn't read too much into this because my feeling is, Gordon, we're just really new into the process with this and companies are still trying to figure out what it looks like to have an NIL sponsorship to where Nike and Adidas and all the big shoe companies are going to come in. So I don't think right now we know fully what that's going to look like. And I think in a year, someone fitting his profile might actually stay in. But we're just we're just too new to this system yet to where it, it impacted him. I mean, you look at this tweet uh, from Masai Russell. She's a runner in the SEC, mm-hmm. I believe. Six figures Kentucky. in four months at the age of 21. Ain't too bad. I can only thank the Lord. Heart emoji. Six figures, if I'm <laughs> counting correctly. That's not including the cents. So that's over $100,000. <laughs> Pretty damn good Correct. for her. And she's doing it yeah. all from NIL, like paid partnership mm-hmm. from Rowdy Energy. And she's posting mm-hmm. herself in her Kentucky uniform at a track practice in the indoor facility. I think she's founding a way. I mean, she's kind of different. She's because of like the Instagram influencer is kind of separate from just being the fastest talent, like a Cooper tier. Sometimes it overlaps. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're really good and you have the Instagram influence, but it's kind of like two different NILs, right? There's the Instagram type and the, you know, extremely potentially can win medals type. Not that same Masai Russell won't do that because she is very good, but uh well she's I got four hundred thousand followers exactly. on TikTok. Yeah. And she's got over a hundred whatever on Instagram. Yeah. when I'm talking about the NIL stuff as it pertains to tier, I'm talking about Nike coming in or Adidas yeah. or Puma or these big shoe companies. Like what's gonna happen when they get involved? Will that change who goes pro and when, particularly at schools that have strong, well, every school now in college has a strong relationship with a brand. And I just think this doesn't tell us anything yet because I think they're still in the process of figuring out how that would work. Obviously they can't get paid for performance, correct? That was one of the rules and every state has different rules. So they're still figuring out how that works. But in another year or two, the next person who fits the profile of Cooper Tier, they may end up staying longer because a shoe company sees more value in them staying longer and can pay them to stay longer. And there's also the the factor of, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm 20 or 21 and I cannot have to go to class, that's tempting. A hundred percent. So yes. Yeah. These kids still have to go to school and like do homework and study for tests and do pro- class projects it's you kind of forget about it when you only follow them in their collegiate athletic area and not realize like there's a whole world of waking up going to class doing this and that um so taking that burden away from an athlete is always going to be enticing and i think that's a big reason why cole hawker was like screw it i'm out like Cooper Tier probably was like, I can do one more semester. I've already made it this far. I can do one more mm-hmm. semester to finally get the degree. Cole Hawker was like, 
hey, I'm one more semester versus not one more semester. It's going to be no difference in yeah. my degree at Oregon because I'm not going to really get that. Maybe he's still studying, so I don't know. But he's he's probably like, I don't need one more year. I'm out. No more school. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm getting a big paycheck. So, don't blame him. When you're 18, 19, this. 20 years old, one month feels like three years. And sitting in class sometimes can feel like the biggest burden. When you have the benefit of time and you get older and you're like, just what's the big deal? Just sit there in class. But you got to put yourself in the position of, of kids yeah. at that age. I will say this. I am sad that the NCAA 5K, men's 5K, is like slowly disappearing. Mm-hmm. No more Luis Corhalva, no Connor Mance, no Cooper Tier, no no Cole Hawker. Uh, Yaren Nagus probably isn't going to be involved. I could just go on and on. It's just, it was a great run yeah. for the greatest NCAA event. It was a couple months. <laughs> it was a couple months. It was a couple months. But all the yeah. top guys are gone. Do you think Travis still has the gif? that he made of you and the NCAA 5K being the greatest of it. Yeah, it it burned fast, though, wouldn't you say? Like, it was there all of a sudden, and and then now it's gone. It didn't didn't taper off. It didn't have the slow decline. It's just gone now. It's just all over. Yeah. Now we have uh, Athanas Kyoko in there to kind of bring some new spirit. There we go. NC men. How memorable. Never forget. Never forget the year of 2021 spring, the NC Men's 5K. Anyway, every Kyoko's got to bring it back. Okay, no one needs to hear that. Hi, it's a Titanic song. Okay, let's stick with college. Let's stick. Let's stick with college. Let's talk about the the BU season opener, Gordon. Then we'll get to athlete of the year and all the other topics of the day. But uh, what are you most interested in? You've seen the the start lists. What what do you expect to see at BU? Yeah, so there's basically five, I mean, four really good events, men's and women's 5Ks and men's and women's 3Ks. And the best of the best are here. Uh, No one is really missing the party. There may be a couple stars here and there not coming out, but from what it looks like, there's going to probably be, I could say the most like potentially the eventual NCAA champion in these events Mm -hmm. is going to be in this race. Uh, on the women's 5K side, Whitney Orton, who's unattached, will be there. But you also mm-hmm. have Katie Izzo, former Arkansas athlete from Adidas, Courtney Wayman from BYU, Lauren Ryan mm-hmm. from Florida State, um, Taryn O'Neill, NAU. She's a fast 5K runner. Um, I think uh, Kaylee DeLay, she ran well in cross country for Yale. Then you have all the NC State and Notre Dame, uh, and New Mexico runners. But notably, you got to look at someone like Lauren Ryan. She's run 15-22 quietly uh, at the Portland meet in 2021. Her PBs are 4-12-1500, 8-54-3K, 15-22-5K. So that is pretty damn good, 15-22-5K. And we are being told that this is going to be rabbited for a potential collegiate indoor record attempt. And I look at Lauren Ryan coming all the way down from Florida. She's coming here for a reason. She's 15-22. She ran well during cross-country season. I think she's ready to rip one, and maybe she is the athlete that they are really targeting to potentially get into that 15-teens and potentially break the NCAA indoor record. We go to the women's 5,000-meter all-time list here. Obviously, a lot of those performances get set at at BU and at this meet in particular, it's not uncommon for the fastest time of the 20 whatever indoor season to be set the year previous because this counts as the same season. But December oftentimes is the seed time that you have going into um, the March, the March championships. So, yeah, we could see we could see some. At least the top 10 list, you're going to see new names pop up on there, I'm sure. What about on the men's side of things? Men's side, I mean, you could also see a collegiate record attempt there. I'm not sure if the men will go as fast because a lot of them are going to be like, hey, let's just kind of – we don't need to go too crazy. But, I mean, the top of the top are there, including some good uh, post-collegiates. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we got Wesley Kip, too. He's the man 
everyone's going to be watching and then follow closely behind him. You're going to have the three NAU guys, I guess technically mm-hmm. four when you throw in George Kusha, but you know, Bosley, Nur, and Young. You also throw in some of the BYU guys with Klinger and Garnica, and then a few other notable, Gross, like, dude. you know, but, but, Butler's two guys. You have the Iona kid, El Sandali, and then you have Colorado's Eduardo Herrera, who's a 1320 type guy. So you have a lot of 1320s on this, on this track. And then you have the pros, right? Ali Hoare, mm-hmm. Jordy Beamish, Matt Baxter, names that you remember because of the cross-country seasons they've had and the track seasons they had at NAU and Wisconsin. I think put that all together. I think uh, John, I think uh, Joe Klecker is rabbiting or on athletics. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's going to be rabbited by a professional. It's not going to – the pace isn't going to wander. He can handle this pace. And I'm kind of excited to see who kind of emerges. I imagine Kip 2 will be the top guy, but I'm really excited to see mm-hmm. – what the pecking order will be behind him in a track race. Cross country is different. It's not going to be the same. And if one of the, you know, if Ollie has a great race, kind of sets him up for a good 1500 down the line. Um, this is a lot of intrigueness that I'm excited for this men's race. And I might already start doing it. Well, I'll probably mm. start doing this on Monday, but seeing four NAU guys in this race, likely at least three of them are going to run well. They're probably running the 1320s or 1330s. I may start doing my annual how can NAU win an indoor track championship because mm. they were on pace to do it right before the pandemic. I was on it. They were going to be the they were number one ranked team going into 2020, and then it got shut down, and we never got to see that NAU distance squad try to dominate and win an indoor track title. They – now we'll have to wait. We got to see how Nur, Bosley, and Young. But if they run well here, I'm gonna start formulating an ability that they could put four guys in the 5K, four to six in the 3K, three in the mile, have a DMR, and then score potentially 40 to 50 points. But we'll get to that in my NCAA track and field show, which debuts in January. Kusha's pretty good miler. Exactly. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Christian Noble, interesting entrant there as well, too. He'll be holding it down for the, the small schools, so it'll be fun to watch him in there. Yeah, you got every level of, of runner crammed in here. The three Ks, did you want to touch on the three Ks before we move on? Yeah, and also, Andrew Jordan, man. He's running for Georgetown now. I thought he was really? out and gone, We're... but that's the COVID years, given some guys who you thought were long gone. He went from Iowa State to Washington. Now he's at Georgetown. And he still has that track eligibility, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Anyway. 3K. 3K. What 3K. Got 3K? Uh, women got Caitlin Tui. Uh, be excited to see what she does. I think she's rabbiting the five potentially, but maybe she's in both. But I think she's eventually focusing on the 3K for this race. And silly, uh, Kaylee McCabe. I almost call her Cecilia. Uh, Kaylee McCabe, West Virginia, trying to follow up her incredible cross-country season, see what she does in the 3K. She's a great steepler, so this is her distance. She knows the 3K. She knows that that very well. And Caitlin Tui, I'm excited to see how her go up against her, how she goes up against her. And I mean, there's a couple yeah. BYU. Again, it's it's everyone, all the NC State, all of BYU, all of New Mexico, they're all here. And a, a couple individuals like McCabe and Lauren Ryan, it's just going to make this women's 5K and women's 3K just really exciting. On the men's side of things, too, I think the the five is going to get more attention, but Kyoko in the three was some pretty solid runners in there as well too i think it'll be a fun one as well that three i'm guessing kyoko goes crazy that's what i'm predicting (laughs) i think we're gonna see something extremely fast i think i wouldn't be surprised if it's sub 745 i wouldn't be surprised if he's flirting with a 739 which would be very quick for college yeah. This guy 
is built to he he loves going from the gun. You remember seeing his his first year in college, he would like go wild and he wasn't fit enough to kind of handle some of the hot paces, but he just went for it anyway. And we're like, what's this guy doing? And then he would die off and mm-hmm. he was just kind of this wild runner. But now he's kind of caught up to his 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 mind is basically been his physical ability has caught up to what his brain thinks he can do. Obviously just went 13, 13. Uh mm-hmm. and I think he's gonna. I mean, he ran ran well at the cross country championships. He's coming off a thirteen thirteen NCA outdoor where he was neck and neck with Luis Grijalva. This is gonna be his first mm-hmm. track race. He's not gonna be. He's gonna be by himself because he's not gonna be with a Wesley Kip two or the NAU guys. I mean, I don't think right. Lucas Bonds or Garrett Marsing are gonna be anywhere near him. Maybe for the first lap or two, but after that, it's just gonna be solo effort, and he's gonna run. I'm. If I had to put the over-under at 745, I would take the under, and I feel like everyone else would take the over, but I would take the under and I would win because I think he's going to run sub-745. Fair enough. Okay, we got a comment from Tom in the chat. Super chat here. Donated as well. Thank you, Tom. Uh, he says, can you talk about Horan Beamish's showdown at BU? Well, let's do it some more. Because, listen, Beamish has a lot of experience on this track, had a lot of success. In that shortened season last year, remember they ran that, struggled in that 5K, but came back and was part of the really fast 3K, ran 7.44. Hoare is a level up, though, right? Don't forget Hoare's spring season and how good he was in the 1500 outdoors and how he continued to push the pace and push the pace. I think Oliver Hoare approaches this from someone who knows he's going to have a super long season and somebody who knows that 5K is probably not his focus. So he wants just to get a good solid effort there, probably follow his teammate, uh, Joe Klecker around the track. But I'm guessing he's he's really fit, got a 13-22 PB, coming off an Olympics. I think he is, he's the guy to beat here. I think he could beat, obviously I think he could beat Kip too. That's not saying anything that's outrageous, but I'm more interested, I guess, in, in Beamish because his season last year wasn't as strong as horse. Yeah, and just obviously we know these guys eventually they're going to be focusing on an event that's a third of the distance, running a 1500. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's important for both of these guys to have strong 5K PBs and put strong yeah. 5K efforts. Uh, most of the top 1500 meter runners can run a good 5K. Jakob Ingebrigtsen can run a, a good 5K. Centra went during was running 13 flat. You know, I think there's just that element of in order to develop, which makes me actually think: Has Timothy Chariot ever run a 5,000? I'll look that up for you. Keep going. Anyway, find that out. But just in general, I've been seeing a trend that most of the top 1500 meter runners at the world level, when you look at an Olympic final, world final, you look at their 5K PBs, and a lot of them are going to be 13.0 for a 5K. And so I think... Timothy Cherry has run 13.47 at altitude in 2020. So he's the admiration. He's the... Admiration? What's the word? Admiration? Is it AD or AB? B, admiration. Oh, aberration. Anyway, aberration. That's okay. what I'm trying to come up with. Aberration. Sometimes you, you miss so sometimes I can usually sometimes I can usually get it, but sometimes you're so far off. I have to like <laughs> jump in your brain and try to figure out where it went wrong. Shout out to Colt yeah. for helping me on that one. Colt's listened to enough of Gordon Mack. Go ahead. Aberration. Yes. Aberration. So, but in generally, what I'm trying to say is I think Oliver Hoare and Jordy Beamish both recognize we need we need to get even stronger and stronger and stronger in the five K's a way to kind of quantify that and so they're kind of see yeah. how strong they are coming off of the off season by opening up with the fifth with the 5k because they can worry about speed later right now they're trying to build up the strength so i think we got a comment in the, with the matchup the i think all the horse gonna, gonna win go. i think all the horse will win between them two so we got a comment in the chat that says both of them are targeting for their national indoor records which is around 13 24 for both so that's new zealand for beamish and 
um, I'll show you for horror. Listen, if Jordy Beamish is, you know, low 1320, both these guys, if they're like sub 1320 now, it's a pretty good sign for their yeah. chances outdoors. Doesn't guarantee success, but that's a that's a pretty good sign. Particularly Beamish, who's someone who yeah, he did really great in cross country, but his his track PBs are not in line. His longer distance track PBs aren't in line with what he can do in the fifteen hundred. Hor has that thirteen twenty two, so you can kind of hang your hat on that. Although I yeah. think he's even better than that. Um, but both these guys are kind of similar in that they were NCAA slash fifteen hundred meter champions, but were good in cross and had the potential to be solid and cross you see some of those milers out there who go to cross and get 190th all season like these guys were both solid Hor was just the most versatile runner during his time at at wisconsin 1500 all the way up to to 10,000. so that's on yeah that's on saturday night live on flow track check it out we'll break down all the races next week it's going to be exciting there's going to be some markers laid down in the early season that that i'm really excited to talk about what's next in the rundown Next on the rundown, we'll talk Athlete of the Year. Uh, Carson Warholm and Elaine Tom were the big winners. Rising Star Award went to a thing, Mo and Arian Knight. But I really want to focus on these two. We broke down the women's field. We broke down the men's field. I had two different picks than the two that were selected. I thought Ulamar Rojas and Ryan Krauser should be the big winners. Thompson Hurrah, though, obviously... I think that was our consensus number two, although Safan Hassan had a strong case as well, too. Let's start with her. Let's start with the, with the women. Um, obviously, I thought Rojas win. She won it last year, probably hurt her coming back, but just the depth and consistency with Rojas was amazing. I'm not going to get too upset, though, because what Thompson Hurrah did was insane. Number two performances all time, almost broke world records in events that we thought the world record was completely out of reach. She competed a lot, which I give extra credit to. She performed great at the most important moments of the season. Again, would have given the edge to to Rojas, not too upset about Thompson Hurrah getting this award. Yeah, I mean, they 100% didn't give it to Rojas because she won last year and because she runs a not as popular event. I think you have your most popular event and you have an athlete do stuff that is not just good, but like in the categories of all time great, it just gets trumped over everything else. And I think Mm. it may not be fair, but 100 meter dash, that's the essence of track and field, fastest runner in Mm -hmm. the world. And she wasn't just the fastest runner in the world, she was the fastest runner in the world, arguably of all time, potentially of all time, but number two, technically. Uh, behind flow Joe. but that that's just going to get more eyeballs yeah. that's going to be looked at in a a grander setting than what rojas did in the triple jump and what, even though what rojas did in triple jump would be like elaine thompson running 10 5 like five times which you didn't but mm-hmm. two different sports then based there's yeah. a hierarchy and you just have to understand that's what they're going to do and plus they gave it to her last year so like rojas kind of was handicapped by the fact that she won it in 2020 but i'm not against this and award i'm not against it she deserves it I, I i don't think there's any really flaw in awarding elaine thompson hurrah you know so. and i thought rojas shouldn't have got it last year so i i guess it all evens out there you go. in the end because now now she has one and elaine thompson hurrah has one you nailed it when you said it's two different sports the only way you can really make a really solid comparison if people are in two different events if they're in two different events where the opportunities to compete are the same meaning there's no opportunity to double the competition is the same the historical markers that they are compared to are somehow in the same ballpark meaning there hasn't been one crazy outlier performance or the event isn't new or the event isn't influenced by you know technology or a great race getting set up with rabbits and that's just impossible to do. So you end up in the situation where you're comparing a person who's able to compete multiple times in different events with someone who's only able to be compa- uh, compete once. Rojas had, technically she took that loss with the new Diamond League jump off rules, although she had the, the, better comp- the better mark in that series. I don't know if that was weighed against her at all. It obviously shouldn't be, but it's very difficult to, to make these comparisons. 
I do feel a bit stronger when we go to the men's side of things. I do feel a bit stronger that it should have been Ryan Krauser over Carson Warholm. Not to take anything away from Carson Warholm. Obviously phenomenal. Sub 46, beat Rye Benjamin, who's the second best of all time, brought it when it But, and this is the ultimate but here. These guys were tied in a lot of senses, right? Both have historical marks. Both broke the world record. Both won gold medals. Both were undefeated. To me, the tiebreaker then goes to frequency of competition. And Krauser just competed more frequently. And none of his competitions, absolutely none of them, were letdown performances. I think Warholm, in any other year, it probably would have been a runaway. The fact that it was close this year just shows you how good Krauser was. But I still would have gone to Krauser. We've talked about his stats ad nauseum. And I just thought if, if Warholm's one flaw was just didn't run a ton. Yeah. I think this situation, people maybe were just living in the moment. And Warholm was like that ultimate moment at the Olympics because it was the ultimate race showdown. Um, I think Krauser deserves it. Not to take Warholm's incredible athlete, but like Krauser, it was just. I mean, the problem is again, Krauser can do it more often than Warholm because Warholm's building up to a, an incredible uh, endurance mm -hmm. feat. You know, it takes a lot out of you. Whereas, I mean, I'm sure throwing takes a lot out of you, but it is easier to recover, I feel like, from. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like it's easier to have multiple great throws in a season to have multiple great 400 meter hurdle races. In sure, sure. But look at like look at his actual when you break down his actual season. He in the 400 meter hurdles, he ran five finals: Oslo, Monaco, Tokyo, Zurich, Berlin. The Berlin run at the end, he ran 48 and just kind of cruised through it. So. You can kind of take that one off the board. So he ran two races before the Olympics, which were great. Set the world record in his first one. Then then ran, ran the Olympics and then one after. Again, any other time, that would be enough. But you have to split hairs to make a decision here. And that's why I would say, all right, I'd give the edge to Krauser just because he competed more frequently. Although, I, Warholm's suit was on point. I will say that. Yes. I would say that at least Warholm has the Taron Egerton of Kingsman suit look on point. I mean, he looks like he should be in Kingsman, the movie that's coming out this later this month. Have you ever seen Kingsman? It's a great series. It's a great uh, franchise. The Kingsman? The Taron Egerton? Great. I have not. But yeah, I think Carson Warholm. If Carson Warholm is going to have a movie made about him, Taron Egerton is definitely playing him. In that role, because they look literally alike. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's well done there. That's a good callback. Can we get a Taron yeah. Egerton? He he played a uh, what's his name? Um, what's the the singer? Uh, Elton John. He played Elton John, and now he can play Carson Warholm in the twenty twenty four movie of his four hundred meter hurdle life. Natural progression there. Natural progression. Most people go from pop star to track star when they are in the are in film. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk uh, high school now, real quick, and then we'll talk about Valencia, and then we'll do emails. Uh, running lane invitation. Why don't you just explain to folks what it is who may not be familiar with with the meet and its significance this year? So running lane. Cross country championships held in Huntsville, Alabama, I believe. I think it's been around for one or two years. I'm not sure the exact, but it's. Uh, I think it blossomed during the pandemic because it gave these high school kids an opportunity to race each other, especially at the elite level. So it was kind of a little mini invitational that was created, and um, we notably had some great performances. I think Jenna Hutchinson ran her sub 16 5K there. If I'm not mistaken, was that mm -hmm. during 2020 or 2020? I'm not, I'll be honest, 2020, 2021 all blend together. So uh, I'm not sure that exactly. Was 20, that was 2020. 
That was 2020. 2020. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, but anyway, it's. They've been building something down there in Alabama, a great high school opportunity, a great opportunity for high school athletes to compete against the best. And originally this meet was planned to kind of be the third type of elite meet between mm -hmm. NXN, uh, East Bay, formerly known as Foot Locker, and then also Running Lane. And they were going to be all at three different weekends. But then as you guys mm -hmm. know, NXN decided to cancel their, their ch final. And as a result, Running Lane was like, all right, there's no team championship. We can do that. So they moved their date to the old NXN date, which is this weekend. And the best teams are all going, notably Newberry Park, right? It's not, we could not have a, a cross country team championship if Newberry Park, Newberry Park decided not to show up. They're there, they legitimize it. And all the other best athletes are all coming down to Alabama um, who have great teams. And we're going to have a great race. And, you know, I'm sure people are excited to see how Newberry Park is going to follow up what they did at the cross-country state meet, which we talked about in a nauseum a week ago. Um, fast women on the women's side, men's side is going to be great. It's just cool to have a cross-country national championship, which we thought we weren't going to have. We haven't had it the past year or two now, but now we have one and everyone's going and it's going to be exciting. And I don't know. It's going to be live on flow track and mile split so you can check it out and yeah so that is the birth we have running lane cross country championships the excuse me the garmin running lane cross country championships they're the title mm -hmm. sponsor uh that is when you look at the 2021 in the history book will be the results you reference to see which teams were the best teams that season and so we'll find out this weekend mm -hmm. Got a sneaking suspicion on the men's side it's going to be Newberry Park. <laughs> yeah, I like the tune-up. Like I, I like where they're at. I like, I like... So, do you have those rankings again? The top 10? How many of those guys are in the top 10? Of their big four? What do you mean top 10? Individually. Like, if we had... Well, if, we, if we go back in the day to where it was just Foot Locker... And it was just well, the an individual race. Yeah, would they have got? They would have gotten four guys out of the West. I'm assuming. No question. So, the mile split rankings: the number one ranked athlete, Riley Ho How H O U G H yeah, from Michigan. Michigan. He's the number yeah. one ranked athlete. He's going to be running at the running like cross country championships. He's ranked number one. Number two is Gavin Sherry, who just came off of a fast uh, East Bay Northeast Regional. Then three is Colin Salmon, four is Leo Young, five is Lex Young. So this school has three of the top five athletes in the nation. Um, and then yeah. Aaron Salmon, their number four guy, is ranked ninth in the country. Okay. So they have four guys ranked in the top ten. Right. And if you broke it down by regions, again, I'm just putting this in terms from back in the day. They almost could have qualified five guys. To their like they could have qualified their team to footlocker nationals back in the day like yeah you could have had a team sport. i think yeah if you look at the region. california Re overall. the, the Cal yeah the california regional yeah they they probably i think they could have potentially put it would have been west i mean definitely would have got would have four west but the yeah, the west regional yeah sorry excuse me uh they could definitely get four the fifth would have been really hard to get into the top 10 but mm -hmm. hey Crazy so, things have happened, but they definitely would qualify four guys into uh, the Foot Locker uh, championship. But they're going to running lane, which makes it a great race. It's exciting. So the the expectation here is that four in the top ten. No, I think their expectation here is putting like four in the top five. <laughs> With this race, That's hell yeah, they're. I mean, because some of these other top guys, I think, aren't, aren't going to be there. They're going to be getting ready for East Bay championships. So gotcha. I think they're thinking, let's put try to put four in the top six or seven, maybe five. Gotcha. I don't know. Gotcha. They're always just going to do something crazy, right? That's this is how it is. That just seems. It just seems like. Um... 
there's no way they can lose. And you hate to say that in a sport like cross country or any sporting event where there's obviously some degree of unpredictability, but it's just, I don't know what to get. Like three guys could miss the start of the race and they'd be fine. That would be <laughs> like, how good's their B team? Dude, the B team's great. They would, they would. Sure it is. All I right. mean, I saw, we got a, we got an email when, from someone who said that I was crazy. What's emails later? Oh, okay. What's emails later? Let's save that, save that, okay. save that, save that. Let's talk about, I want to talk about Valencia real quick because this has the potential to be a crazy fast race as per usual because it's in Valencia and we haven't seen the, you know, the huge time yet. And this could be it. This could be it. So on the men's side, you have Lawrence Chirono, who was fourth at the Olympics. He was second in this race last year. You have Jeffrey Camor, whose PB is very old at this point. It goes way back to, to 2012, but he's, he's a notable name here because of his success in world marathon majors, but this will be his first one since 2019 when he won New York City. So all total, you have three sub 204 guys led by Chirono, and then you have three more sub 205 runners. Some of them have experience in Valencia. Some of them do not. I don't see any way that this isn't fast. It's just a matter of how fast. Uh, on the women's side, the PBs, you know, they're missing the big three there of Jep Chirchir, Koskai, and Jep Koskai. But you still have you know, two women, sub 220, who on this course, who knows how quickly they'll run. But it's, the fall was just a little quiet for me, Gordon. It makes me think that there's going to be an eruption here. Really? Yeah. You've been Sub like just being like something's happening. I'm you've been holding on to your onto your chair. Be like, there's a rumbling. There's a rumbling happening out in yeah. over there in Europe. We're in the car. We're in the car in Jurassic Park, and everything's going fine. And then the power goes out, and our jeep is there, and all of a sudden, the water cup is shaking. The water cup is shaking. And listen, I think we can see some 202s here. Not not outside the realm of possibilities. But all these other marathons, because of weather, because of courses, because of the lack of Kipchoge, they didn't have that jaw-dropping time. We've seen some jaw-dropping times in the half this year. Just saw a world half marathon record with Jacob Kiplimo, women's side of things. Obviously, he's been, been quicker, but I'm just talking about the men's. We haven't seen it yet. I think you put Chirono, you put Camor, and you put all these other guys out there on the course, you're going to see something something fast. So sub-203, I think, is in play. Is I know there's – is Valencia angling to try to be a, a world major at the marathon level? You know, I've wondered that, and it made me think about meets – that are basically diamond league quality and hey do you want to be a diamond league and i've heard that sometimes they turn that down because there's restrictions that get put in in terms of like what events you can run and some meet directors like no i'm just gonna do something i don't know if that exists in marathons because it's not as if hey what events you can run a marathon we're going to marathon but maybe there's some sort of sponsor situation i know in in valencia all this running stuff is being funded by a super rich guy who's just apparently into running <laughs> and all these He's 10Ks, he's half marathons, he's 5Ks, he's marathons, are, are be, you know, underwritten by him. Um, obviously, the city's invested in it a bunch as well. I don't know if that's in play, but yeah, it essentially, like, because people are racing more frequently, you could create a winter marathon cycle if you wanted to, and you could include Valencia. Tokyo is already in there, and maybe you move, maybe you move Tokyo up a little bit so that way it's closer. And then Dubai as well. And you could have a December, January in the same way that you have an April and in the same way that you have a, uh, a fall season with September, October, October November. November. It'd be, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd like it if they crunched them more together so that way people could recover, like it would be more deliberately spaced out so we could go to three marathons a year, three, three seasons. Um, but... I think Valencia is basically a major in quality. I think it's proven that now. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to bring it up, man. I'll tell you. Majors uh -oh. are the way to grow the sp – I don't want to say that word. 
I hate when people yeah, say the phrase "grow the sport." It's super mm-hmm. annoying, so I'm not going to say it. I almost, I almost said it. But majors are a formula to make track and field an interesting thing to watch, and we already have it in this thing called World Marathon Majors. So what if? Mm-hmm. Just what if? These marathons happen on a Sunday. What if that city hosted? Hear me out. A four-day track meet where it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday was marathon day. Sunday was also the finals mm-hmm. of the track. Everyone came in to run their marathon. And before they come to run their marathon, they're sitting in the stands watching a, an elite track meet. Imagine mm-hmm. if London Marathon was also a four-day track meet. Tokyo Marathon was also a four-day track meet. Boston or New York or Chicago Marathon was also a four-day track meet. People would get excited. People would, I mean, you have four-day tournaments in golf. You have the, I mean, tennis is a little bit longer. It's like a whole week long, but you have the championship weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It can happen. We already have the cities. I'm sure Boston would love to, like, turn it into not just, a marathon weekend, but like a whole running event weekend where you have Usain Bolt running a hundred meter dash Sunday night after Des Linden just won the Boston Marathon. Like, imagine that world. They've been like, it would be running mm-hmm. ecstasy. What the world? Running <laughs> ecstasy. Okay. Calm down. Calm down, Gordon. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. Uh, let's do emails. Uh, also, comments. We got one in the chat here asked who should have gotten it last year instead of Rojas. So the finalists last year for the women were Gaday, Hassan, Prezhep Chircher, Rojas, and Elaine Thompson, hurrah. Now Rojas ultimately got it. She broke the world indoor record last year, but she jumped in, in four competitions, basically two indoors, two outdoors. I know outdoors, well, indoors too, was all screwed up. Because the pandemic, um, but I thought Jep Chirchir should have gotten it. Jep Chirchir broke; she won the world half title, and she broke the half marathon like single gender record twice. She ran sixty five twice, and then the process, they should not give this award out until like all the events are completed. Because then she went on to in Valencia and won that and ran two seventeen. So she base she owned her event. Um, there was a global championship. She won it. Hassan didn't race a ton. G'day, barely raced at all, but she broke the world record. Um, but I, I remember at the time thinking this should have been, this should have been Jeff Cheercher. A half marathoner only competing a few times is different than a track athlete only competing a few times. I just think Rojas didn't, didn't jump enough in, in 20, uh, 2020, but she got it and she didn't get it this year, but she deserved it. So the universe sorted that out. Um, emails. Here we go. First one. Subject line. Capture the flag. Actually, no, I'm going to save that one. Let's do uh, Bill. Uh, TV re- revenue impact on Olympic trials is the subject line. So remember we talked about this when you were discussing the rumors that you heard about potentially not getting, uh, not having the, the Olympic trials next time around for the marathon. It says, where does the TV broadcast rights revenue play in the question of rankings versus Olympic trials? What do you think, Gordon? What do you mean? Question of rankings versus Olympic trials. Basically, oh, like, do do you think USATF is going to push back on rankings because it would take away their their massive TV product, which is the Olympic trials, not just in marathon, but more so in track where it's to programming. I'm willing to say people may not want to believe this, but I. I guarantee that the broadcast rights to the Olympic marathon trials are not as big as you think they are. I think the broadcast rights to the Olympic trials, AKA the swimming, the wrestling, the track, whatever, all the sports, that number is a big number, but the number to, I, the number to the marathon is negligible. I think Mm -hmm. that, and a lot of times you can tell people when you watch track and field on TV, 
watch the commercials. See what type of commercials you see. If you see commercials that are super unique and niche, if you see a lot of like USATF commercials, you know they're not sell this is not getting the amount of revenues you think. When you see like Toyota, IBM, major like commercials that you see at an on an NFL broadcast, you know that's making money. But when you see like commercials that look like you're watching a web broadcast, it's because it's it's not really getting the the TV ratings that you think. We think it's the Super Bowl and it is, but to NBC execs who are looking at, you know, the bigger picture than just running, it's it's not as big. And I think that the TV revenue of the Olympic marathon trials is not as big as we think it is. I think the revenue true is only really tied to all the sports as a whole, which is a big right, number. Right. It's probably in the millions yeah. of billions or whatever. But taking out one one uh like it's only like two hours of broadcasting time or three hours of broadcasting time. Taking out right. three hours of their four hundred hours of coverage is not gonna really be like a no, we only have three hundred and ninety seven hours. NBC's gonna be like, whatever, we have three hundred and ninety seven hours of trials coverage. Yeah, but for track, that's a total. For track, it's a totally different story. I think you're right. Big picture, it's a small number, but for them, and if your job is over track, and you're looking at, hey, how many opportunities are we getting on TV? This is one of them. It would be part of the pushback. I think if you were in a room, if you're USATF and you're arguing with World Athletics, hey, we need to keep the trials system. Part of it is, hey guys like we need to make sure we're on tv and this is one of our big events like let's let's do it look at all this revenue blah 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 look at this great exposure for the sport that would be one of the things that you would pitch but you're right in that within the larger package of just olympic trials it's it's three hours amongst many many hours um track i think would be different track i think really does anchor that summer block because they remember they overlap with swimming and usually it goes swimming to track. So they have it all locked in and, and figured out. I think they, and it, they get obviously good numbers. That's when you see people tuning in who haven't tuned in at all to track the previous years to, to, to check it out. This is the amount of views the Olympic marathon trials, I guess, 10 minute highlight has on YouTube on NBC sports, a hundred thousand views, a hundred thousand views. That's men and women each. Uh, on Team USA's account, that's only an hour. That's only a minute. But yeah, uh, all right. Here's like the yeah. So the Olympic trials is getting a hundred thousand views per race on YouTube. For comparison, <laughs> it's not that much, right? We've had mm. podcast clips get two hundred thousand views talking about stuff. Um, so I think the. Not many, that Not that many. revenue, like broadcasting revenue right. thing, I think it would be very, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, I don't want them to cancel. I want to have these, but I don't think yeah, it's going to yeah. be the, the, the big, the big push at the end. Like, Hey, you can't do it. Cause we have millions and millions of dollars. I, I just don't feel like they have that in the trial, in the marathon trials. I think they have that in just the trials as a whole. So it's like. That's, would canceling the would canceling the if you if you get track and field right and all of a sudden we just like removed the 10k from track and field yeah do you think NBC's media rights deal would change no not at all exactly so. I looked it up Spurs Blazers last night which was one of the most unremarkable games in NBA history and I say that as a very very big san antonio spurs fan has ninety thousand views already on youtube just to give a little bit of yeah. perspective the highlight the 10 minute highlight okay let, let's keep moving here uh let's go to kevin not me i did not create a burner account to troll gordon with this but this is the email that gordon was responding to earlier it says gordon normally claims to be a guy who pays attention to data i love it normally claims to be a guy who pays attention to data i love that sentence uh, you guys either completely ignore times or we're trying to be provocative by claiming that Newberry Park could make the NCAA meet and wouldn't finish last. The only way that would happen is that their guys can all run 825 to 840 in the 3200, and even then they probably wouldn't make it. 
due to the move to 10Ks two weeks in a row. A fifth runner who will only run nine flat for 3,200 this spring would finish dead last in the NCAA. Take a look at how many 14 flat guys were in the last 10 in the race, and Newberry Park's fifth can't run anywhere near 14 flat. Newberry Park would be lucky to finish top 10 in most regionals. I estimate they are equivalent to about the 100th best D1 team by using uh, L-A-C-C-T-I-C. I don't know. Do you know what that is, the acronym? No, it's probably some... Some sort of converter. Yeah. Um, I challenge you, Kevin says, I challenge you to take a few minutes to review their times and compare them to D1. Uh, Gordon, did you take him up on the challenge? Oh, yeah, I took him up on the challenge. Okay. <laughs> what did I say that Newberry Park would do? I said they would finish, what, one guy in the top 40? And then they would have... Yeah, you said two in 70s and 80s. And then I think two you said... Two in 70s and 80s. Someone in the low four hundreds. In the, four in the, in the mid-hundreds, and then they're five in yeah. 200. Yeah. yeah. And then that, as a score, would be in the 20s. Because that's that you can't argue. If I create a team that's 20... I mean, if I create a team that's 40, 70, 70, 150, 200, that's not going to be a dead last team. Like, can't right, argue right. that. And he's saying, like, there's no way that man will finish 40th or seven. Those kids will finish 40th or 70th or 100th. Okay, let's look at uh, Acer Iverson, Harvard kid. His PBs, 413 in the mile, 808 in the 3K. He finished, what, what place did he finish? He finished 40th. Whoa, we look at that. 40th. Okay, well, let's look at a kid who finished uh, 100th. What place is it? Uh, 98th. A kid who finished 98th. His 5K PB, Karami Yego of South Alabama, his 5K mm -hmm. PB is 1434. You could go through and find hundreds, I'm not kidding, hundreds of athletes in the NCAA cross-country championship of the 255 field who have 5K PBs of 14.10 and slower. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a reality. Like, because you don't need to be, not everyone that makes NCAAs is 13.50. Yeah. The, a lot of these guys are 14.20 guys, 14.30 guys, 14.10, 14.05. They're not all 13.50. But take that away. Colin Solomon, Lex Young, and Leo Runt, and Leo Young, they're all 1350 quality guys. They ran, they're run, Nico Young went on to run 1350 that season. Yeah. German Fernandez was the 1350 quality runner that season, and they are one second within it. Newberry Park, if they were to run a 5K time trial in, when, what, if they do, but if they were to run, if they went to trial, BU, they would have three guys, if they went to BU. They would have three guys run in the 1350 to 1359 range and one guy run like a 1420 to 1425 range. And then when you look at the NCA results, literal, and look at the 5K PBs of some of these guys, they're not all run 1350. Yes, you're going to have an outlier here and there and whatever, but there is, you look at the quality of, let's look at the time, uh, pick, give me a, you know, give me a, a place. 75th. 75th. So you gotta go plus and minus because I know one guy he's he's good. So let's do we'll do 73rd. It's even better. Uh, he doesn't have a 5k P1. He's a freshman. Uh, yeah, I got one for you. Ready? Do you want one? Yeah, give me one. You want okay. 247th. What was his 5k PB? Okay. <laughs> That's Cooper Tier. Yeah, okay. Uh Let's you got to do... run thirteen twelve. You got to run thirteen twelve and three fifty to be in the top two hundred forty seven okay. instead of across. Here we go. Seventy seventh, seventy seventh. So that's near seventy fifth. Eastern Illinois, Dustin Hatfield. He's run a four fourteen mile, eight twelve three k, fourteen oh four five k, fourteen oh four five k. These kids can run thirteen fifty, yeah. and they're going to like we just don't know it yet, but they're going to run fast. Here's they're the all going to run extremely fast 5Ks. So. With th this hypothetical is fraught, obviously, because the distance is different. And then you're asking, okay, if they were in this year's championship, if they'd be in the championship in next year, where would they fit in? So 
you could just argue forever about those sort of things and make up weird numbers because nobody really knows for sure how it's going to go from 5K to 10K. But here's what is guaranteed. We talked about this when we talked about running lane. You're saying they have right now three of the top five runners in the nation, correct? Or on that team? Yes. And four potentially the top 10, correct? If yeah. any team had that recruiting class coming in and that was their whole team that next fall, or even if it was a shortened thing, season, you you'd, would not say they wouldn't make the meet, right? If you, you know had what? a team, when you four, say that, if you had a team, go ahead. You said three of the top five in the nation, right? Right. So let's pretend that a team, so th- and they had four of the top ten. Let's and go it, four to top ten. Yeah, I mean that's a hypothetical right. again, and people can di- people can ding us on that and say, well, you're just making up stats. But it's it's not even where they stack up compared to this year's team. It's you look at the time that they ran at Woodward Park, and it's a historical thing. It's not as if it's a weak year. You can pin their times close to Nico Young's times, close to German Fernandez's times, and all those people who've run in California and get a really good gauge of where they're at. Here's a fun thing. Now, this isn't obviously scientific because actually I should, let's look at, I probably shouldn't look at this year because freshman is a weird thing. What's the last year where we had a normal freshman class? That would be 2019, right? So this doesn't count, but let's look at 20. So if a team had three of the best five freshmen, what would that team look like, right? Because let's look at the freshmen of 2019 on the men's side. And let's say that team had the, the third best freshman, the fourth best freshman, and the fifth best freshman. So even taking away whatever, right? So yeah, in 2019, because that's when freshmen were, you know, more normal. So that means they would have had the 33rd place finisher, the 46th place finisher, and the 48th place finisher. That's where the third best freshman, the fourth best freshman, and the fifth best freshman finished in 2019. 33rd, mm-hmm. 46, and 48. If a team had a 33rd, 46, and 48 finisher, they're not going to finish dead last. They're not going to finish 100th out of all the teams mm-hmm. in the NCAA. That's my case. And I would argue that these, are, these would be special freshmen too. Because not all, yeah. not all freshmen, not all freshmen are, are the same when you're looking at where they stack up historically. Uh, yeah, you had, let me look at this. Let me type in FR here, Serge. Let's go to the men. How many freshmen did you have? Are you counting Bosley in that or no? Because he's redshirt. You don't count him? Bosley was 27. Well, I, I went to 2019 to go to normal freshmen. Because 2020 well, yeah, and 2021, it's like all. 2019 was Bosley, 22nd. Yeah. No, so I went the third, fourth, and oh, sixth I best see, freshman. You didn't, even, yeah. you didn't even give him the best freshman. Gotcha. You didn't even give him the best freshman. No, okay. I, so, yeah. I, gave, I didn't count Bosley, Jacobs, or Abdi Habit. I counted Abdi Habit, Nur, Brody Hasty, and Colin Baker. Brody Hasty, so listen, it's tw- 46. Like, they're better than Brody Hasty was in high school. It's not yeah, even 22, 22, 29, 33. These are the freshmen. 46, 48, 64, 69, 90, 97, 99, 116, 112. 128, 132, 139, 142. And even, like, we don't really talk about who gets 140th because we're paying a lot of attention to the front of the pack. But, like, a lot of teams finish top 20 in the meet having a good portion of their runners in those ranges, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, Boise State – Boise State that year got 20 fit, 21st, and they went 25, 57, 137, 138, 168. All right, we'll move on. Uh, we'll David move on. says you're right about Newberry Park. So we got a comment in the chat that says you're right. Yes. So there you go. Team David. All right. If you ever want to get Gordon wrapped around in an axle, write an email to flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Explain, pick something that he said, explain why it's silly. And then write the following sentence at the end. I challenge you to take a few minutes to refute me. <laughs> and you can guarantee you know what Gordon will be doing for the yeah. next day. On the heart. Uh, last last email well. from uh, 
Yeah, and it, again, it's not a guarantee, but the, there's you're not relying on one of them because the depth is is crazy. And yeah. remember, their their fifth wasn't even wasn't even that bad either. Uh, Dennis says, when you were discussing the charity capture the flag challenge, all I could think of was Wade Van Niekerk. He blew out his knee in a charity touch rugby match. He wasn't even hit. He just made a simple cut and was done. Van Niekerk curses himself still for participating in the rugby match, declaring it was, quote, the worst decision to make. Quote, my body was conditioned for running straight, not zigzags. With 10 track athletes juking, cutting left, cutting right, quick stops, fast starts, the field would look like the opening of Saving Private Ryan. As much as I don't like him, the best track, in quotes, athlete for this event would be Tyreek Hill and other former track athletes who've been training their bodies for the NFL. That is Dennis. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I wouldn't disagree with that. The parameters we put around it, though, is they have to be a track athlete. Now, if Tyree Kill decides, hey, I want to run track so I can win a gold medal that's worth roughly one thirtieth of my Super Bowl ring, <laughs> then we can, then we can add him. But until then, we can't. Yeah. They can't add, no, Tyreek's not, not a track athlete. Just because you ran track in high school doesn't make you a track athlete. It's, we, the, the parameters were track today. Yeah. And also the parameters were, what well, would be a fun team to have? And that's what we're trying to do. But yeah, I agree. I don't yeah. think any of them would want to play capture the flag because there would be a lot of ACLs on the ground. Yeah. I don't – I'm not one of those people who track is the, the best for every single little thing because I get annoyed when other people do that about track. So I wouldn't pretend that track athletes are going to be the best at moving laterally. But – that's why I was. That's why I was going. We were talking hurdlers. We were talking shot putters. Talking multi-event athletes. Little, little extra added dose of athleticism for them. That's it. What's next? That's the show. We did, it? It. We did the show. Yeah, we, we did it. it. We did it. Yeah, we did it. It's over, man. Like done. Like subscribe. Are we retiring the podcast? Is this the last episode of the podcast? No, we don't say that. Why would you say that? Okay, good. Good. I will. We got to get you we to Belgrade. We got to get you to Belgrade for World Indoors, Gordon. I can't go that weekend. I checked my schedule, but I think you're available. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. Check out uh, Garmin Running Lane. Check out BU, Valencia Marathon all this weekend, all on uh, Flow Track, and then we'll discuss it all on Monday. Have a good weekend, everyone.